I don't know if I've ever heard that song, that song sang quite so well. Um, she sang it like she understood it, right? Like she's experienced it. And I just watched a great movie. I was just telling Melissa. In fact, she called me last night or texted me to confirm that she was going to do that today, uh, tonight for us. And, and I, was ha I happened to be watching the movie Amazing Grace. How many of you have seen this movie? The true story about William Wilberforce and how God used him to abolish slavery. It's a tremendous movie. I, 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 don't, I don't plug movies, but this movie is worth your time. Uh, Wilberforce had a relationship with John Newton, who actually wrote. Um, John Newton was uh, Wilberforce's pastor, so he knew the man who wrote Amazing Grace. Uh, it's just a tremendous, tremendous movie. I would highly recommend it to you. I always love going home to the States. Um, and I, I've shared this with some of you. It, it gives me perspective on living in Milano. And uh, I, I go home and, and I count my blessings that I get to do this. Karen and I, we, we, uh, we count our blessings that, that we get to do this. And uh, I told the morning congregation, we don't do this because it's the only job we could get. We do this because it's the only job we can imagine. And we love being here. We love ministering to internationals. And Lord willing, um, to Italians, uh, as we move forward, more and more Italians. So it's our great joy to be here. I, after last Sunday, the last time I preached, I felt like I preached too hard. I, and I'm making a confession to you because sometimes, sometimes uh, I walk away and I think I was too hard. I was too strong. And, and so sometimes I listen to the recording and it makes me feel better. And I can sleep at night because I, I feel like I did have balance. But sometimes I walk out of here and, and I feel like I've preached too hard and I've preached too strong. But, and I, and I want to share with you why that happens sometimes. <clears throat> My uh, preaching professor uh, taught us that the sermon is one thing for the preacher. It's his offering to God. And so, you know, I, I can't do a dumb little thing. I can't do a poem and a joke and an illustration and, you know, I can't do that. I, I mean, my job is, as, the pre, as, a, as a preacher of the gospel is to present accurately as best I can the Word of God. So it's my offering to God. But the second thing that it is, it's my offering to you because if I could, if I could give you anything in the universe, it would be the Word of God. And so I, I, I'm accountable to Him and I'm accountable to you. So sometimes when I'm preaching strong and, and you think, wow, Jim's a little over the top tonight, what I want you to realize is it's because of the way God's Word affects me. And I love Him and I love you. And that's why I preach that way. And if it seems hard, if it seems strong, I want you to give me grace and I want you to understand it's because that's how His Word affects me. And I... I preach like God's Word is the most important thing in your life because it is. Christ is the most important thing in your life. And that's why um, I get excited sometimes. And I want you to understand that when I, when I preach hard, it's, I'm not being critical. I'm not... Uh, being harsh. I'm trying to do the best I can to convey and communicate the Word of God. So, give me grace, if you would, as you always have done. In Colossians 1.16, uh, I guess it's the most oft-repeated verse from this pulpit, 
God says all things have been created by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. And if we really believe that, uh, our lives will change. If we really believe that, our lives will change. If we really believe we were created by Him and for Him, our lives will increasingly change. Some of us radically. And as I shared with you earlier, I'm going to start 08 like I started 05, 06, and 07. And I'm going to exhort you tonight to obey Jesus Christ with glad, reckless joy in the new year. And we've, this has become somewhat of a tradition for me in this church. And uh, some of you may have heard me preach uh, the text. We're going to be in Numbers. You can go ahead and turn there if you like. Numbers 13. We're going to begin in verse 1. Numbers 13, verse 1. You know the text. It's Kadesh Barnea. And I always like to start the year uh, right there standing with those two million Jews at the, at the edge of the promised land. And you remember God had promised them the land, but they wouldn't go in. They wouldn't believe God. And I don't want that to happen to you or to me in 08. And I want you to claim the promises of God to share. And I want you to obey God with glad, reckless joy this year. That's going to be, that's been our, our New Year's resolution for the last three years, and it's going to be our New Year's resolution for this year that we individually and as a church would obey the living God with glad, reckless joy. Oswald Chambers says it like this, God brings us to the place where He asks us to believe Him and obey Him, but too often we begin to debate with Him. That moment becomes a great crossroads in our lives, and we have to decide for God or against God, and I'm going to exhort you tonight in 2008 to always and forever decide for God. There's a high cost in deciding against God. And we're actually going to see that tonight in this text. In this, well, I didn't, I didn't unload the, the, the book, so that's my bad. But there are books in here. And if you'd like one, you can have one. And there's one in here called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. And I know it's, I, I probably mentioned it many, many times, but I love the book. And Piper says, you know, if you're going to be a real Christian now, he's not talking about being a church member. That's another thing. But he says, you know, if you want to be a church member, there's no risk there. But if you really want to be a Christian, if you really want to walk with Christ Jesus, if you really want to follow him and be a doer of the word, there will be risk involved. There will be <clears throat> challenges involved. There will be obstacles in the way. There will be a cost to that. He says, if you're really walking with Christ, it will always be there. He said, that risk will always be there. And then he says another thing, that risk is always right. You need to take it. You need to take that risk that God is calling you into. The preeminent risk for us, beloved, is unrisky disobedience. Do you understand? The preeminent risk for you as a professed Christian is unrisky disobedience. Risky obedience is far less risky. Did I make myself clear? Do you understand what I'm saying? Unrisky disobedience is our greatest danger. Numbers 13, 1 and 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send out for yourselves men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. Let me remind you where we are. 
God has brought the Hebrew nation out of Egypt with great power. He has crushed Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. He has literally crushed. These people have witnessed the ten plagues. They've walked through the Red Sea. They've experienced and seen the the pillar of fire. They've eaten the manna. Moses uh, has received the law on Mount Sinai from God. These people have heard the voice of God. They have heard Him speak. Estimated two million people have arrived on the borders of the promised land. And God is making good on that promise that He's been making for about 500 years to give His people this land. And this place is known as Kadesh Barnea, which over time has become shorthand for the tragic consequences of not obeying God, not trusting God, not claiming His promises, shrinking back from the place where God has brought you. And that's what Kadesh Barnea has come to mean in biblical shorthand. And so God gives Moses a fresh promise. He says, spy out the land and I'm going to give it to you. It's a fresh promise. It's a 500-year-old promise and a fresh one. He says, it is a done deal. All you have to do is what? Someone tell me. Go in. It's done. All you have to do is obey me. All you have to do is trust me. So let me ask you, in 08, do you know that it's already done? Do you know what's already done? All you have to do is obey. Wherever your test of trust is, wherever your challenge is, wherever the cost is for you, wherever the risk is for you, it's done. I love this about God. It's done. All you have to do is believe and trust and obey. Like the song says, Christianity is It's easy. Trust and obey. If you don't hear me say anything else tonight, trust and obey. That's all it is. I love this about the Lord. You know, you look at, uh, drop down to verse 17 with me in in chapter 13 of Numbers. Verse 17, Moses uh, sent out the spies, verse 18, and he told him to go out. And he says, go see if these people living in this land, see if they're strong or weak, and see if there are few or many. Verse 19, he says, go see how the land is. Is it good or bad? Are the cities fortified or are they open camps? Verse 20, and how is the land? Is it fat or lean? And I love this about God. He's always driving us to faith. Hebrews 11.6, what does Hebrews 11.6 say? Without faith it is impossible to do what? Please God. So guess what? He's always going to drive you to faith. If you truly belong to Him, He's always going to drive you there. It's the only way to please Him. And He's always going to drive you to faith. So God sends these spies up because He wants them to see. He wants them to know how much this project is going to cost them. He wants them to see the obstacles and the risk and the cost. He wants them to see it. Because He wants them to understand one thing. What is that? (laughs) They can't have it without Him. Friends, you can't, it's like Adam said earlier as he prayed, we can't roll out of bed. We can't roll out of bed without God. We think we can. Many of us jump out of bed and we head off to work or whatever our responsibilities are and we are almost holy, we act as if we're wholly self-sufficient. But if we understand our Bibles, we realize that we are not wholly self-sufficient, that God is holding us every second. God is sustaining us consciously, 
We need Him every single moment. But God shows them. He shows them what the risks are. And you know why He shows them this? And you know why He wants you to understand that you can't have the promises without Him? You know why? Because He wants you to go in with your eyes wide open. And He wants you to count the cost because He wants you to see His glory when He shows up and He keeps His promise. I've got a brother that I talk to on occasion. He always says the same thing to me. When he's, in, when he's against the wall, when he's pushed when it looks hard and risky and costly, he always says the same thing to me. He says, but there's a ram in the bush. And I love it. There's a ram in the bush. You know what I'm talking about? There's a ram in the bush. And Abraham was called to make that, that great sacrifice. But Jehovah Jireh had put a ram in the bush. Friends, all we have to do is trust and obey God has already got it figured out. He just wants us to realize we can't do it without Him. We can't. And if you're operating effectively, uh, autonomously, in, self, in, a, in, a, in a way that you act as if you're self-sufficient from God, then, then you lose. If this is how you live your daily life, then you are losing. And you're not understanding who you are in Christ. Even who you are as a human being. For in Him we live and move and have our being. We can't do it without Him. When Jesus Christ says, follow me, you know what? He means it. And it's going to be risky sometimes. It's going to be risky. And He wants you to know that it is impossible to follow Him in your own strength. It is impossible. This is why He sends the spies in. He wants the people to know He's promised them this land, but they cannot have it without faith. They cannot have it without Him. I love this about God. What a great teacher He always is. He sends them in. He wants their eyes to be wide open. It's what Jesus told Martha as she stood in front of the, the tomb of her decomposing brother. What did Jesus say to her? If you believe what? You will see the glory of God. If you believe in 2008, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Remember we talked about David, that great risk taker for God. Uh, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and, and I quoted a man named George Otis. I have no idea who this guy is, but I really like what he said. He said, God never calls his people to a fair fight. <laughs> you know why God never calls his people to a fair fight? You know why? Because we're not supposed to get in a fight without him. We can't do it without Him. We can't do it in our own strength. And this is what God is teaching the Hebrews in this text. Now, we can be religious without God. There's no risk there. There's no risk in, as I told the morning congregation, and you know, you know the, the greatest risk that many professed Christians take in their Christianity is, is, is the drive to church. That's the greatest risk they ever take. And I come from a tradition and a church that I grew up in you talk to people about taking a risk for God and it's like deer in the headlights. Does everybody know what this phrase means? They're like deer in the headlights. It's just strictly unfathomable to them that they would be called upon to risk anything for the glory of Christ. It's absolutely unfathomable to so many of the people that I know and grew up with. And you start to talk to them about, about 
taking a risk for God, about being sacrificial with God, and their eyes glaze over. They don't understand it. They don't get it. Friends, Jesus said, follow me. And guess what? He meant it. He meant it. Let me ask you, are you following Christ? Or are you merely a church member? Friends, if you're just merely a church member, you're wasting everyone's time. Mostly yours. But if you're a disciple of Christ, your, your Christianity will, will not, you know, being here on Sunday, and I'm glad you're here, and I want you to be here. I always want you to come to church. You should come to church. But that cannot be the sum and substance of your Christianity. It cannot be. That's not what it means to follow Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Even when it's hard and even when it's risky. I've said this to you before. True, genuine, biblical, saving faith. It will believe, it will trust, and it will obey. And ultimately, those things lead to a kind of faith that ventures out on the Word of God. You remember that great picture, and I've said this to you many times, but I love this account. You know, Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter sees him out there. And, and Jesus doesn't tell Peter to get out of the boat. But why does Peter get out of the boat? Peter wants to get out of the boat. Peter says, Lord Jesus, if you're out there, call me. Bid me come to you, Lord Jesus. Let me ask you, friend. When was the last time you asked God to bid you come? To bid you come out of your comfort zone? When was the last time? Lord Jesus, I, think it's, I know it's impossible, but you're out there. I know it's impossible for me to get out of this boat and walk out there. But Lord Jesus, if that's you out there, bid me come. And Jesus will always say the same thing. What does Jesus always say? Come. That's what He's saying to you in 2008. Come. <laughs> come, my son. Come, my daughter. No more small Christianity. No more small Christianity for you. You come and walk with God. You know, he says, follow me, and he means it. What an awesome invitation. He means it. Oswald Chambers again. Faithfulness to Jesus means that I must step out even when and where I can't see anything. Do you do that? Have you done that? Let me tell you, if you ever do, you're going to love it. Faith is the most addicting thing I've ever done. It's the most addicting thing I've ever done because, you know, you, you take a little bitty baby step of faith, God shows up. And you take another little bitty baby step of faith, and God shows up. And friends, I want to invite you, if you're not living that way, if you're not living in, in active pursuit of Christ in faith, God doesn't lose, we lose. <laughs> I want to invite you in 2008... I want to invite you to venture out upon the Word of God. Oswald goes on, Oswald Chambers goes on, Faith is not intellectual understanding. Faith is a deliberate commitment to Christ Jesus even when I can't see the way ahead. Are you one of those Christians that has to have it all lined out before you'll ever move? Friends, this is not what it means to follow Christ. It's nothing wrong with planning and, having, and being wise and having discernment. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying sometimes you have to just step out. These Jews can't see how this could be possible that they could take this land. And God is just saying, you don't have to figure it out. You don't need to crunch the numbers on it. You just need to what? Trust me, I'm a promise keeper. Do you know that God's a promise keeper? Okay, how many in here believe and know that God is a promise keeper? Someone, just raise your hand. 
Do you believe He's a promise keeper? Okay, you believe it. Are you living like it? Let me ask you that. Are you living like God's a promise keeper? Are you living like not one of His promises will fall to the ground? I know I'm not. And so, you know, I told the morning congregation this sermon may be for me more than you, and that's okay. (laughs) Boy, I've got some things to fix. I do. And I want to walk like a son, and I want to walk like a... And I want you you ladies out there to walk like a daughter of the living God. To venture out. Oswald Chambers, he finishes up. You know what he's going to say. I say it to you all the time. Uh, I say it to you all the time. He says... Are you debating whether you should take a step of faith in Christ or whether you should wait until you can see clearly how to do what He says? You know what He says after that? Simply obey God with what? Someone tell me. Does anybody know? What, what, do, I say, what do I say to you all the time? Obey God with glad, reckless joy. Friends, that's the, that's the resolution I offer up to you for 2008. Obey Jesus Christ with glad, reckless joy every day. This year, every day. Don't let one day go by. That you're not consciously asking the Lord, how can I obey you today with glad, reckless joy? That's the, that's the resolution that I submit to you. Let's look, at, look quickly and see what Israel does. Let's look and see what Israel does. Verse 25 of chapter 13. They returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days. Verse 27. And they, they reported that it certainly does flow with milk and honey and and. Uh, they brought back some of the fruit. Verse 28, Nevertheless, the people in this land, they're strong and the cities are fortified. And we saw uh, the descendants of Anak there. Verse 30, Here's what I want us to be in 2008. Listen to the words of Caleb. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, We shall by all means go up and take possession of it for we shall surely overcome it. Don't you love that? Friends, this is the life I want to live for God. This vapor-like existence I have on this earth, that's the kind of life I want to live. I want to be a Caleb and I want you to be a Caleb. And I love what Adam said. It's not because we're duty-bound, it's because we're joy-bound. Because He is a promise keeper. And we believe it. And we live it. And you know what? As I've said to you so many times, everyone around you sees it. That you believe your God is a promise keeper. Verse 31, But the men who had gone up with Him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. Verse 33, They said, We saw the, the, we saw the Nephilim, the, the sons of Anak, these giant people. And He said, We became like, like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Friends, do you know what we're saying when we, when we refuse to obey God? When we refuse to claim the promise, do you know what in effect we're saying? And I know we would never say it verbally, but you know what we're speaking by our actions? We're saying, God, I don't trust you at all. I don't trust you. I don't think you're a promise keeper at all. You can't be trusted. I think we're also saying, God, (laughs) I don't think you're God enough either here. You're not God enough in my circumstance. I'm not going to obey you here. I I don't trust you. I don't believe you, and I don't think you're God enough to keep your promise. Friends, we would never say that verbally, but by our actions, this is what we are saying. This is what these people are saying. They will not go in. They will not go in. God is smack dab in the middle of trying to bless these people. 
but they won't believe him. They will not believe him. They will not believe him. Friends, I want you to be like Caleb. Is God that real to you? Is God that real to you? Is he that real to you? By all means, I will obey the Lord. I will never give it a second thought that I would not obey the Lord. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. Doesn't mean that we, we don't fall. Certainly we do. We all sin. But the thrust of my life is to be like Caleb. By all means, I will trust and obey the Lord. I love that text in Mark 9, 22, 23. I've shared it with you several times. You remember the man said to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity and help us. And Jesus says, if thou art able to believe, all things are possible to the one that is believing. Do you remember what that man said? <laughs> and if you're going to walk with Christ, now, if you're just going to show up for church, you don't really need this prayer. But if you're really going to walk with Jesus Christ, you're going to need this man's prayer. I love what he said. Remember what he says? I do believe, Lord Jesus. I do believe. What, what did he say? Help my unbelief. And friends, if you're going to walk with God, you're going to need to keep that prayer in your hip pocket. <laughs> I, know I, I know I do at least once a week. I have to say that to the Lord. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. There's still so much unbelief in my life. I, it's embarrassing. I could really embarrass myself in front of you, but I won't. But there's still so much unbelief in certain places. Lord, help my unbelief. I love that prayer. Let's finish up here. Numbers 14, 1 through 4. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried and the people wept uh, that night. And verse 2, and all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the, con and the, and the congregation said, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in the wilderness. Verse 3, oh, why is the Lord bringing us up into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to, the, to, to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Friends, everything they ever wanted, their hearts desire is one step away but this is the one step they won't take and it's the one step that many professed uh, uh, Christians and pew sitters will never take it's real faith in the real world you have your faith has to be real and it has to go out into the world they're one step away <laughs> From, from their heart's desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. But wrapped up in that is faith and we must act. Let me ask you in 2008, will you resolve to act? Wherever your test is, wherever your challenge is, wherever, maybe it's a besetting sin, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's a thought pattern, Maybe, I don't know what it is, it could be a hundred different things for any one of us in here. But will you claim the promise of God and act against it? In 2008, God expects His children to claim His promises and to act. And friends, what I want to say to you, if you refuse to obey and act, then you are just like these Hebrew slaves. These Hebrews, they are still slaves, and you are too. <laughs> you know, they say, 
They say, um, Egypt is slavery, but it's safe. And they say, Egypt is bondage, but we understand it. And, and, and they say, Egypt is meaningless, but it's manageable. How many Christians live their life like that? How many Christians live their life like that? And what, what I want to say to you, friends, if you've refused, if you've left off following Christ and you're no longer hot on His heels and you're not pursuing Him and it's not your, it doesn't make your heart beat fast to, to find out what He's saying to you from His Word and then doing what He says to you. If, it doesn't, you know, if you've left off, if you've grown lukewarm, if you're cold in your spirit, friends, you need to repent. You need to repent in 2008. If those things are true about you, you're a slave. I don't know what you're a slave to, but you're still a slave to something. And what does Jesus say? You shall, my, my disciples, if they abide in, in, in my word, they're, they're truly my disciples. And then what does he say? If you what? How does it go? You shall know the truth. And the truth shall what? Shall make you free. Are you free tonight? I want you to be free in 2008. I don't want to spend these few moments I have on the earth cowering and being afraid. That's not what God has called us to. And I love what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12. He, he said, young man, you need to lay hold of the eternal life that God has called you to. And this, I've, t I've told you this many, many times. But I want you to lay hold. And I want you to be like Caleb and Joshua here. Look real quickly at, at uh, chapter 14, verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and, and Caleb uh, said uh, they had spied out the land and, and they began to tear their clothes, verse 7, and they spoke to the congregation, the land which uh, we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land, just like the Lord had said, verse 8, if the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they shall be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. This is our re resolution for 2008 in the words of Caleb and Joshua. God says, I will bring you to a good place. Does anyone in here believe that? I will bring you to a good place. That's what He will do if you believe Him. And God says, I will give you all that I have promised. Does anyone in here believe that? That what He will do, this is what He will do in your life when you trust Him. His promises will be, He will be keeping His promises to you. And I love this last one. God says, I'll turn your fear into your prey. And I love this. Friends, where are you afraid? Where is it that you shrink back from following Christ? Where is it? Whatever that fear is, God says, I'll turn it into your prey if you'll trust me and if you'll obey me. I love this. And I could give you a personal testimony, but I don't have time. Something that used to, used to just keep me in abeyance and I was afraid to obey the Lord, but I, I, I did and He proved Himself faithful. I don't have time. I want you to notice one more point and then we're through. Numbers 14, 10, and 11. I want you to see how God sees this rejection and this unwillingness to obey Him. Look at verse 10. But all the congregation said, Stone these crazy guys. What's wrong with these guys? 
Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. Verse 11, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people spurn me? This is how God sees it. How long will they not believe in me? Despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst. I looked up this Hebrew verb uh, that is translated spurn in the New American Standard. And it's translated six different ways in various translations. And I'm just going to give you the litany here. God says, how long will they spurn me? How long will they despise me? How long will they reject me? How long will they provoke me? How long will they ignore me? How long will they have contempt for me? This is how God sees it. Friends, there's a lot at stake here. <laughs> there's a lot at stake here for you and me. There's a lot at stake here for you and me. And I'm going to let you read the rest of Numbers 14. You can read the story. Most of you probably already know it. These people died in the wilderness because they would not claim the promise of God. They just simply wouldn't do it. They would not trust Him. And they would not believe Him. I'm going to close. I'm just going to look at... Uh, I'm going to turn over. You probably know the verses. You know the end of the story, right? You know what God ultimately did? Even if you didn't, you could probably guess He kept His promise. I'm going to read to you from, from Joshua, verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 43. So the Lord gave Israel all the land which He had sworn to give to them. And they possessed it, and they lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, according to all that He had sworn to, the fa to their fathers. And no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All of it came to pass. And uh, there's a reason I preach this sermon uh, the first week of January every year. It's because in 2008, I know it's going to happen in your life and I know it's going to happen in my life. What Oswald Chambers says, God is going to bring you to a place where He's going to ask you to believe Him and He's going to ask you to obey Him. And this will be a crossroads for you. Will you believe God or will you shrink back? As Oswald Chambers says, will you decide for Him or will you decide against Him? And my exhortation to you, I want, like I told the North, I want 2008 to be the best year you've ever had with Christ, ever. You can make it the best year you've ever had with Christ, ever. All you have to do is trust, believe, and obey. <laughs> Christianity is so simple. Trust and obey. I thought it would be good um, for us to take a few minutes. Not long, just a few minutes. And uh, Adam's going to play. And if you need to do business with God tonight, you do it right there. If you need to resolve in your life to follow Him more completely, more fully, if there are things you need to confess, if there are sins you need to put down, this would be a good time to just drive a stake in the ground and leave it, and leave it behind you right now, right here. 
Are there things that you're afraid of? God doesn't call His people <laughs> to fear. We're not to have a, a spirit of timidity. Whatever's going on with you, whatever's between you and God that needs to be removed, I want you to start right now, right here, right now, tonight. I want you to start that work. It, it, it may not be finished tonight, but start it. Start it. Resolve to obey the Lord with glad, reckless joy for 2008. Take these few minutes. It's just you and the Lord.